endure eternal judgment. Again, on the point of the um, those who are least in the kingdom of God, we've already looked at that passage. Our Lord spoke about it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Um, but the point around that is, because our Lord said, you know, if you um, break the least of, the, of these commands, you will be called least in the kingdom of God. Dealing with unconfessed sin that we stand before him with on that day. Um, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul um, enlightens us as to the kind of impact that the saint will feel when they stand before the Lord Jesus and they now have to give an account for a lifestyle of unforgiven sin. Because there are a lot of Christians that live pretty nominal Christian lives. In other words, you, you struggle to recognize that they're actually Christians. Uh, they're born again, but they live just like the world lives by and large. And so the Apostle Paul talks about it in this passage, 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. He says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. In context, the Apostle Paul, if you go read the passage, is dealing with uh, two individuals who had started to preach false doctrine in the church. But they still remained in the church. They were not outside of the body of Christ. And so Paul says to us, the Holy Spirit through Paul says to us, but in a great house. Now he's talking about the great house of God. He's not saying that this great house you have heaven and you've got hell, because those who are in hell are not part of the household of God. They are excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. They are not part of the household of God. But he's saying in the great house, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He says they are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. And he goes on to mention the this, this gold and silver vessels of vessels of honor, the wooden hay, wooden hay, wooden clay are vessels of dishonor. Both are in the great house. And so the vessels of honor are those who are sanctified and useful for the master. Why is that? Because they are living holy lifestyles before the Lord. The vessels of dishonor are still in the household, but they are not sanctified unto God. They are not uh, walking in a righteous lifestyle. And so we see uh, from this passage, the Holy Spirit is just hinting to us that going forward into eternity, there are going to be some vessels of honor and some vessels of dishonor, both in the same household, but used for completely different uh, roles. Why is that? Because they have not cleansed themselves, I'm talking about the vessels of dishonor now, have not cleansed themselves from dishonor in this life, and thus will be utilized in the kingdom of God, but as vessels of dishonor, not as vessels of honor. It's a very... Um, serious comment that the Holy Spirit makes. And so I want to just now highlight, because no less than four times in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit through his Apostle Paul teaches us the concept that Christians, and we're talking about believers now, who are born again, who are saved, and who are destined for heaven. Um, if they choose to live an unrighteous lifestyle, 
and they, they choose not to live a righteous lifestyle. And we, we all know about believers that live in that place. Um, you know, they just don't, they, you know they're born again. Um, they might even be speaking in tongues and filled with the Holy Spirit. But nevertheless, they just are not, they, they're living in, in, in certain areas of their lives. It's difficult to tell the difference between them and unbelievers because the war of their lifestyles. And so the Holy Spirit, through his apostle Paul, um, warns the church in this area about the consequences of Christians living an unrighteous lifestyle. So they're, they're saved, they're born again on the inside, they're righteous, they're all the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but they're not walking in that righteousness. They're still walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. And let's see what the Holy Spirit admonishes us in these, in these uh, with regards to this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 8 to 10 is the first time it's mentioned to us in the epistles. Uh, no, he, okay, I'm just picking it up in the middle. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. And so he's having, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's rebuking uh, Christians, the church in Corinth. And he's saying, you, you yourselves do wrong, Christians, and you cheat. And you do that to your brethren. So he's, you know, he's talking quite harshly to how Christians treat each other in that particular church. And he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Um, and he goes on, he says, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And so, you know, it's a very strange statement for Paul to ask the church. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Because everybody in the church knows that. We know that, Paul. We know that the unrighteous are not saved. They will not go to heaven when they die. They are condemned to hell because they have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. But that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the believer who lives in an unrighteous manner. And so he's saying, because he is very careful about his words. The Holy Spirit is very careful about his words here. He doesn't say, do you not know that the unrighteous will not be saved? Because all believers know that the unbelievers will not be saved. Well, they should know that anyway. Um, but not all believers recognize the truth that because he's talking about our inheritance here. His wording is very specific around the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And so he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? It doesn't say that the unrighteous will not be saved. They will be saved, the Christian now. But those Christians who live in this manner, because he goes on to say, do not be deceived. Um, fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, you know, if we were to say, or oh, Paul, if you're talking about the world, we know that. But he's not saying that. He's saying fornicators in the church will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying that if you um, commit the sin of fornication, well, that's eternal damnation. You're not going to be saved anymore. But he's talking about a practice lifestyle because he's talking about the unrighteous. This is the, the way that they live their lives. And, but they still remain saved. They still are in the kingdom of God. 
because they are you know, people get confused when they look at this passage. They think he's saying, "Well, that's it; they've lost their salvation." But that's not true, because there is only two. Well, there's two sins that a Christian can commit that will cause him to lose their salvation: blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. No believer is really going to do that. I, I, can, I can't see a scenario that could. But there is this sin to death that John spoke about, which is denying the Lord Jesus. And when they do that knowingly and want to get out of Christianity, well, then that's the sin to death. Um, but he's not talking about that. He's talking about fornication. He's talking about being covetous or a reviler. And, you know, people do revile. They call people, Christians call people idiots all the time. Um, there are a lot of Christians that walk around very covetous. You know, they wish they had this, and they why can't they have this, and why can't they have that? You know, but he's saying, guys, these Christians are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And he's not talking about um, you, you once said you committed covetousness, or once you reviled somebody, okay, well, that's your inheritance gone. He's talking about a person who is a covetous person, a Christian who is a reviler. So constantly they are reviling everybody, whoever they come across. Uh, constantly they're walking in covetousness. Constantly they're walking in the sin of adultery, for argument's sake. Um, they still are sons and daughters of God, but they're practicing an unrighteous lifestyle. And as a result, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we, we know that he is um, talking about Christians because he, in the earlier passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 5, 11, he says, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, idolater, reviler, drunkard, and extortion. Extortion, not even to eat with such a person. So he's, he's identifying that it is very possible for Christians to practice this lifestyle because he says this is how we deal with them. We're not to eat a meal with them. They're in the kingdom. He, he says they're, they're a brother, not to keep company with anyone named a brother. You know, that means that they are. They're in the body of Christ. Um, because it's not a case of it's the person in the world. Because he says in, somebody in the world, if you, if you can't eat a meal with them because they're adulterer, well, then you've got to go out of the world because the whole world sins all the time. He's dealing with Christians who are walking in a, a, a sinful lifestyle, how we deal with them. And so it is very possible for Christians to live sinfully in these areas and still be saved. And if you go back and you read that whole passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, what had happened is there was this guy who was living in adultery with his father's wife. So it was you know, quite hectic adultery. And so Paul said, let's judge him so that he would die so that his spirit may be saved. So Paul recognized that even though that guy would die in the, commit, in the practice lifestyle of committing adultery, he would still be saved. And so none of this pertains to our salvation. All of it pertains to our inheritance in the kingdom of God. And so that's the first time the Holy Spirit warns us along this line. The second time we get warned is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Now look at this. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul, we know that the unbelievers won't inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying that. He's talking to Christians because he says, 
I told you beforehand in the, in the past, and I'm telling you guys again, that those who practice this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's talking about Christians who are practicing these things as part of their lifestyle. Even though they're saved and born again, they're impacting on their eternal inheritance. And that eternal inheritance, we say, is no, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The first one we saw in Corinthians will not inherit the kingdom of God. This one, he, he just expounds on it. He's talking about the Christians who practice this, these type of lifestyles. So he's not saying once-off Christian does this and, and then forgets to ask for forgiveness because that will be dealt with on the Day of Judgment. But Christians who consistently are walking in envy, consistently are walking in drunkenness, so yeah, selfish ambitions, Christians, if they continue down this road, they will not inherit, they will be saved, but they will not inherit the kingdom of God. The third time we are warned by the Holy Spirit on exactly the same issue is in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But now, Christian, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, again, he's warning the church, he's told them before, and no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So he's saying to the church very clearly, this kind of sinful lifestyle, if you, if you partake of it as a Christian, then now he, he gives us more insight because he says they don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So again, he, now his wording is, is helping us even more to understand. He's talking about the inheritance that the saint will receive on their day of judgment. He says, Christians who practice these things in their lifestyle. So it's not, as I say, once or first, twice, or you know, even every now and then. But he's talking about this is how they live their lives. They're saved, they're born again, but they're walking around in filthiness. They're walking around in coarse chesting all the time. And he says, he warns them. He says, guys, you will not have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And then he, he even elaborates on it some more. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Now, what would that be? People would go around and say, you're saved. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. You're, you, you're destined for a, an eternal inheritance given to you by God. And no matter what you do in this life, as long as you're born again, that's it. Everything's fine. Because I've heard ministers of the gospel say, your day of judgment is going to be a happy thing. And, you know, and so people think, oh, well, everything's fine. So I'm, I'm fine. I can live as I want to live because I'm saved. He says, no, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. And then he says, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So the wrath of God will not come upon the son of obedience, because we are the sons of obedience, um, for practicing this. But God's wrath does come on the unbelievers for practicing this. But this is where the impartiality of God's judgment comes in. God doesn't say to his saint, okay, because you're my child, you can practice adultery, but I will pour out my wrath on the unbeliever who practices adultery. 
No, not at all. God holds both the believer and the unbeliever to account. The, unbe the believer, um, well, the unbeliever will incur the wrath of God. The believer doesn't incur the wrath of God, but what the believer incurs is that they do not have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. They forfeit their inheritance as a result of a practiced lifestyle of sin. And that is the consequence of unforgiven sin if it's a practiced lifestyle. I'm talking again, every now and then the Christian misses it and, and sins. I'm talking about the Christian who continues, continuously practices this lifestyle. Um, and the, the result is, on their day of judgment, they would have um, foregone their inheritance in the kingdom of God. There won't be an inheritance for them. Colossians 3, 4 to uh, 25, this is the fourth time the Holy Spirit warns us. Uh, scripture says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And so again, the Apostle Paul is just saying, guys, unbelievers don't get away with this. They incur the wrath of God. So don't think because we're believers, God just excuses that. He doesn't. Um, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong, Christian, will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So again, the Holy Spirit is just reinforcing to us that just because we're sons of God does not excuse us and give us license to walk in a lifestyle of sin. Because if we choose to do that, there's a, there's a penalty that will be paid because there is no partiality. God does not excuse sin in His church and in his, amongst His saints. Um, and we dealt with the fact that um, Esau, you know, he despised his birthright. I'm not going to touch that scripture. Hebrews 12, 14 to 17. Um, you know that after, verse 17 said, For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. And so, in this life, for Christians to um, not forego the lifestyle of sin and continue in it, he, he, he's saying in context what you're doing is like Esau because that's what Esau did Esau, you know, he despised his birthright for that plate of beans he was quite willing to give up his, his inheritance and so you get Christians that are quite willing to give up the eternal inheritance for sin in this life they know they're saved but you know, the eternal inheritance is, means very little to them now, they said, the scripture says Esau, when he got to the point he realized what he had done, he sought it diligently with tears, there was no recourse. And that's where the tears will flow, when the saints stand before the Lord Jesus on that day for their day of judgment. Because they will realize that they have foregone their eternal inheritance for a plate of beans. In the comparison, for that sin that they decided they wanted to live in while they were on the earth as believers, it has 
had the, the eternal impact of robbing them of the eternal inheritance. And so it's a very, very serious thing. Our Lord speaks around the same subject, Luke 16, verse 9 to 12. He says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust in also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And so our Lord, everything that we have in this life is another man's. It all belongs to Jesus. For we have received everything from him, for him, so we can minister to our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But our reward is waiting for us in heaven to be given to us. That will be ours given to us by God for all eternity. Now our Lord says about that in verse 12, If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? And so, if we're not going to serve our Lord faithfully down here, and, do, and be faithful in that which He has given us, then He's not going to give to us on that day that which is rightfully ours. And so that saint foregoes their inheritance, the eternal inheritance for a practiced lifestyle of sin. I'm not talking about every now and then the Christian misses it. I'm talking about this is what they do day in, day out. They are always uh, walking in this lifestyle of sin. And then our Lord also talked about it. He gave a, a quite a long um, teaching, a parable about the same thing. Um, in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 19, verse 12 to 27. Um, in, in, and we dealt with it previously, just slightly, but I'll read the whole parable now because it, it's illustrative of this point. He said, Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. So each one got exactly the same, talking about salvation, because we're all coming to the kingdom of God exactly the same. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much each man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. There's the inheritance coming through. And the second sat came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another, another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you because you were a steer man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. Verse 26, For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring those 
here are those enemies of mine who do not, not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Now the enemies, he's talking about the unbelievers. And so that's these, these servants, the ten servants who were given ten meters, that's the saints. All of them got exactly the same. But the, the enemies were the Lord's unbelievers and so they're going to be slain at the end of the age. But within those servants, one gained ten, one gained five, one gained nothing, one hid it away. And in other words, you, they were born again, they were saved, they're going to go to heaven, but they just didn't tell anybody else. You know, you know I'm saved. It's, um, I've got my, my passport, and so I'm just going to continue through life. And nobody else really even knew they were Christians. Um, and so what happens on the Day of Judgment, the Lord takes away His inheritance and gives it to the one who has the most, actually. But the one who didn't have anything, uh, who did nothing with his um, mina has no inheritance going in. He's not an enemy. He's not cast out of the kingdom. He just has nothing. He goes into the, the eternal age with no inheritance. And that's where this, this part of the teaching is, is very sobering. And we really need to uh, get our minds around it because it is so, so important. And then we'll close off with this passage of Scripture in the book of Revelations 3, 14 to 19. Our Lord describing His church, a part of it only, but nevertheless, these are His saints. And this is what they looked like as far as their inheritance was concerned. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. Remember I said in every one of those letters, our Lord says, I know your works. Um, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know, now he, he tells them what the eternal inheritance is looking like. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. And so our Lord is just saying to that church, they're Christians, they're born again, they're His children. But he's saying, you guys are absolutely impoverished as far as your inheritance is concerned. There's nothing there. Um, why is that? Because they had gotten caught up in the affairs of this life. Riches, uh, the deceitfulness of riches were what they really were after. Covetousness was their practice lifestyle. And so they had foregone their eternal inheritance as a result. Now, just in this case here, our Lord says, I'm going to actually maybe deal with you in this life so much so that you could lose your salvation because he says, unless you repent, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That would mean that they would no longer be in the body of Christ. And so they would have lost their salvation. But the picture of what they looked like at that time was that in this life, they were good, doing well. Because they were walking in covetousness, you know, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things had dominated them. And as a result, their eternal inheritance was there was nothing there. Uh, even so much to the point, he said they were naked. They, were, they didn't even have a white garment to cover themselves. And so that's where the Christian needs to really um, be very guarded with regards to their day of judgment, is that we, we need to take 
um, unforgiven sin very seriously and we need to always forgive and obtain forgiveness. And again, I'm dealing with known sin. Unknown sin because we do. We sin all the time, uh, unknowingly and unintentionally. God deals with that. We will not be held to account for that on that day. It is the stuff that we know about and then we don't do anything about it and we leave it. It doesn't go away. And if we practice that lifestyle, if we start practicing like the Laodicean church, practicing covetousness as, a, as part of our Christian walk, well then, it has the impact that we will have on that day when we stand before the Lord, no inheritance going forward. We'll be in His kingdom, but we will be vessels of dishonor. And I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound like a good place to be. Um, you're still in the kingdom of God, yes. You're still saved. You have, you, you, you've escaped the lake of fire and brimstone. But it's not a happy place to live for all eternity, be considered to be least in the kingdom of God, and to be considered a vessel for dishonor, and have no inheritance. And so we need to, as I say, make sure that we continually keep a short account of sin in our lives and not live a practiced lifestyle of sin as believers. We're going to end the teaching on that point.